0: attention all gamers you're listening to stories from the sticks cut attention no attention cut go attention all gamers you're listening to stories from the sticks hey guys thanks for joining on the second episode of stories from the sticks your go-to source for true crime and greek mythology that lovely host over there is sydney davis and that gamer
1: is gabriella norton and we are here to talk to you all about the topic that we picked for today this is our first episode of 2019 and we are very excited for what this year will bring to the podcast and it has already brought uh new mics for us yeah so as i'm sure you can already tell the sound quality is drastically better it sounds like we're in the same room as our microphones oh yeah because last week we were sharing one and when i went back last episode we were sharing one and when i went back and listened it sounds like we are recording through a wall
0: that sounded very different from today's episode hopefully you prefer this if not
1: you anyway. can listen to episode one yes, go over and over to it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we are really excited about this new sound setup that we've got going on. And we've got some cool ideas for episodes we got coming up. And eventually, those should be coming to you weekly. Not yet. Here's episode two. So since we're doing Hitman this episode, I Mm -hmm. decided to do Richard Kuklinski, who is the Iceman, um, or he's known as the Iceman. So, uh, which I did want to go ahead and say, so like Hitman in general aren't serial killers. Because like we talked about last time, you have to have that cool down period. And Hitman just, they don't get it. There's no emotion in their killing, so there's no cool down.
0: Okay, well... I thought the cooldown was more like the time period. The cooldown is about the time
1: period, but it's also about, like, the emotional stability. Oh, like... And so because Hitman, there's no emotional involvement in it, they're killing for money. Like, it's it's their literal day job. Yeah. So they don't have a cooldown. Generally, Hitman aren't considered serial killers, but there are a couple that are actually both. So Richard Kuklinski is an example of both. So he was born in 1935 in New Jersey and he had a really rough childhood. His parents were Irish and Polish immigrants. His mother was named Anna and his father was named Stanley. So Anna, his mother, was a devout Catholic, uh, whereas Stanley, his father, was a violent alcoholic. And Stanley, his father, actually ended up beating one of Richard's siblings to death during his childhood. So that just kind of, you know, goes to show how violent his yeah. fa- their father was yeah okay. so so basically while richard was still a child he, he became uh began killing small animals cats in particular that's what yeah.
0: That's like, isn't that like a pattern? Isn't that what a lot of serial killers? Are? Yeah. So
1: that's actually part of the McDonald triad. Wait, um, what the heck is that? Okay. So basically it's also called the triad of sociopathy or the homicidal triad. So it's basically three factors that McDonald, he wrote in a paper and said, we think there are three factors that can predict that these people will be violent and homicidal. So those three factors are arson, cruelty to animals, and inuresis, which is bandwidth and it has to be chronic bedwetting like twice a week after that normal age like kids wet the bed but once they're like seven to ten they shouldn't be anymore right but if it's like so basically what he said is that if they have two of three or three of three they're like very likely to end up being homicidal or just violent later on in their life but a lot of studies have suggested since mcdonald came out with this theory that those behaviors are actually more linked to parental neglect so basically the bedwetting and the cruelty to animals come as a result of abuse from their parents so they're all kind of linked together when mcdonald presented them he was like here's these three traits and since then people have started to explore that it's a little more complex than that
0: when did that come out um
1: 1963 is when he uh published his paper with the initial theory the only one that i found about richard kuklinski was the cruelty to small animals. I'm not sure if he uh, was an arsonist or if he went the bat or anything. I just didn't find anything about that. And then he actually had murdered by the time he was 14. So he was bullied at school because they were poor and he was born to immigrants and he was bullied for it. There was one bully in particular that Richard was just so tired of the taunting of him and his friends That he, I I don't remember exactly, like, I couldn't understand exactly how the documentary that I watched, like, laid it out. But basically, Richard knew that one night he would be leaving, like, walking across, like, a park or a schoolyard or something alone at Uh a certain time of night. So, basically, he took the clothes hanging rod from his closet.
0: Like a like a shower curtain rod, yeah like like
1: that like a tension rod okay. and he he took it and hit out i think it started as just confrontation of like hey i'm gonna beat you up oh my god but he got scared and he beat him to death
0: oh my yeah so he's,
1: he's 14 years old at the time after he killed him that kind of scared him too so i don't think that he necessarily
0: like ri- it scared richard yes
1: after he killed him he it was like a what have i done kind of thing oh, like this was new yeah. to him i mean he's 14 after that he basically ran back to his house with the curtain rod put it back in his closet and kind of like hid out in his house and basically waited for the police to come get him like he thought he was gonna get caught so basically three days after he murdered the bully it rained and richard was able to see the chalk outline of the body that they had drawn on the road when they were doing the investigation the rain washed it away and like I think that oh, kind of
0: like symbolism to him, he like, kind of I don't it know, kind of got away with
1: it. Yes, it gave him that sense of security oh that God. like I can do this. And like later, once he was arrested in um, one of the prison interviews, he said that that particular murder, like murdering someone that had done so wrong to him, mm-hmm. also the realization that he could use murder to like fix his personal problems basically Justice. empowered it empowered him so that was like the beginning of how he even got into that after that he basically began killing anyone who upset him and sometimes he just killed for no reason the majority of his money he earned from hustling pool he it gave him money that he had never had before he grew up with poor parents and now he's in these pool halls he's a pool shark and he's suddenly got this massive income and he's enjoying how it. how old is he here um this is i think in his late teens early 20s he dropped out of school after eighth grade so basically after then he kind of started he he had to fend for himself the whole time but after that really he needed this income stuff like that he gets into these pool halls and he starts at this point. He knows he can kill. He knows he can get away with it, and he knows how it makes him feel. So he would just pool games would just turn violent, and he would take them out you into alleys kill and kill them. That's, like,
0: so is that? Does that even make you like a, cur- a serial killer or like a murderer? Or is that like he's a
1: serial killer when you look at the big picture? I think in the grand scheme of things, the power and control situation is like. It's that empowerment of knowing he's dominating and after, you know, being beaten by his father, now he's on top. And so I think that's where he... Mm-hmm. Would fit one story in particular. He would like drive recklessly on the roads and just instigate conflict like and try. road rage, and then they'd get out of the car to confront him, and he'd just kill him Oh my god! Like he was, yeah, out of his mind. Like no good reason for a lot of these things. And then he was working on a New Jersey loading dock where he ended up meeting his future wife, who is named Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's 25 at the time that he meets Barbara, and she's a recent high school graduate, so she's a little bit younger than him and she was currently working as a secretary at this point in time the richard richard was actually married with two children already but he wanted barbara like he's he's already married he's got a whole family but he he, got married to this woman her she really wasn't even relevant to like any articles i read i just found one that even mentioned her her name was linda i believe basically once he met barbara he like wanted to be with her Barbara was not about it. Like, she really didn't want to marry him. But he... At one point, when she, like, expressed that she didn't want to marry him, he, like, put a hunting knife to her back. What? And, like, slid her back a little bit. He said that he couldn't live without her. And so after that, she married him. So he was very romantic. And okay. they got married in 1961. And then they had three more kids. So, so. between his previous marriage... And his current marriage, he now has five children. Richard and Barbara and the five kids, they live together and they just have a normal life. And Linda's Um, just...
0: Hmm. Linda's just gone.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what happened to her at all. I don't even know where she came from either. So some of the articles are like they had a great marriage. He would plan trips to Disney World with the kids, and he was an usher at Mass at their church. He was a good father. In the documentary that I watched, though, Barbara was like, I wasn't happy from day one. I didn't want to marry him in well, the first You
0: have a freaking knife to your back and you're getting married for that reason. How happy of a marriage? Exactly. Is that they didn't be? start off on a good foot. So even though he acted
1: as this husband and father she still was like this isn't you know yeah but so and and there were times that he would you know, get violent with his kids and with her, but it was never that serious. At the end of the day, she just thought, I don't love him, not he's a bad Mm -hmm. guy. Um, And at one point she even said that, like, she thought he was a coward for how he treated her and the kids, and she basically thought because he was a weak man, he has to beat his wife. So she thought very lowly of him. She Uh didn't think that he was capable of anything that she later found out that he did. And then I thought it was interesting. They met at 25, when he was 25, and... um. According to some later prison interviews, by the time he married his wife in 1961, he had already allegedly committed 65 murders. So there's a lot that like isn't covered in specifics because he claims to have killed so many people
0: yeah i don't know is it possible that he's bluffing a little bit about all of his murders it is
1: and people do that he like pled guilty to some really famous trials that they're like you didn't do it. Em. it i don't right don't believe that. so some of the lead investigators on the case basically were like i have no doubt in my mind he killed any less than 300 people yeah so like the big name ones might have been lies the body count might have been relatively (laughs) true after he works at the loading dock and he you know settles down with his family and stuff like that he starts working at a film production company film yeah so it's a film production company and everyone it looked just completely normal um so after working there for a little while though he found out that employees were actually duplicating pornographic films and then selling them to people for discount rates so basically they're just copywriting like pornographic films and selling them So he gets into that a little bit and they'd see that he's okay with it. And that was his introduction to organized crime. So that's not necessarily directly the mobs, but it's his introduction to that organization of crime. And in this time, on top of selling the pornographic films, he has moved into robbery, hijacking, but he got really, really good at murder. The person he met that changed the game for him, his name is Roy DeMeo, who was a very influential mobster in New York at the time. He basically owed him money. Richard Kuklinski owed Roy DeMeo money. Why? I I couldn't find specifics on it, but he basically had a debt to pay back to him. Like, he
0: met him and he had a debt already? Somehow,
1: with him starting to get into organized crime, he owed this guy something. I don't know specifically. Um But DeMeo and his members of his family were sent to find Richard Kuklinski, intimidate him and then basically sent to beat him to say you need to pay up de was really impressed because kuklinski took the beating quote like a man so <laughs> he could take the hits and it impressed him so after he repaid his debt to him he ended up working with the DeMeo gang as an associate and earned their respect for how much cash he brought in and then how willing he was to move into other criminal activities yeah so he started to earn the, even though this man like this is a guy who sent his guys to beat him up Because he took it so well and was so consistent. And
0: still paid back his...
1: and still So he's impressed him at this point. Because of him impressing DeMeo, he has now become indispensable to the Genovese family. Now he's working for those three crime families, right? And he gets really, really good at murder. So the way he didn't get caught was that he would remove any identifying features of his victims so, so he would like cut off
0: fingerprints teeth. teeth exactly that's Te- all i know what else? fingers and
1: teeth were the big things and then he would dump their bodies in rivers or down mine shafts places that were hard to find places that they would decay for a long time which also makes it harder, harder to identify, to identify but the reason that he was called the ice man is because there were sometimes, and it seems kind of random as to which bodies he decided to do it to which others that he dumped other places but he would freeze the bodies and I mean he'd freeze them for two or three years
0: oh my god that's a long time and and
1: then put them you know wrapped up in a bag on the side of the road or whatever and the cops would find it and be like oh my god this guy was killed within the last week or whatever no idea because the ice messes with the natural the yeah. what happens when your body dies it, it can't happen once it's frozen yeah it can't, so he okay. threw the police off so hard these people have been dead for years <sighs> and they just find them and then they can't figure out who they are so it takes even longer and then they do decay like he got good at making it really really hard for anyone to like, find anything to grasp onto to like understand who these people were And it's really hard to solve crimes when you don't even know who the victim is. Because you have to remember, this is before serial killers really were even... That was
0: like 70s. Right, Right. and
1: so so this is probably when it's picking up actually so the first thing is everyone's still trying to understand even serial killers in general they don't know how to find them very well they're still learning all of that so he's messing with all of the things that they know how to use yeah basically the police thought homeless people were killing people they thought that there was just random crime when when they
0: were finding the bodies from the ice yes
1: because also he didn't have a um serial killers are typically relatively easy to link crimes because they kill in the same way, they will kill with the same gun every time, yeah. and then leave their victims' bodies tied up in the same way every yeah, time. Yeah, and you so can it's tell, like, oh,
0: that's their calling card. Exactly,
1: you can tell that that's their like mo. He, and he didn't, didn't have, have one. one. He used ice picks. He used grenades. He used crossbows. He used chainsaws. He used clubs but that's what made him also harder to catch exactly they had no idea any of these victims were the same guy and his um eventual like favorite way to kill someone was a nasal spray bottle that was filled with cyanide so cyanide is really hard to detect if you don't know you're looking for in a body
0: is that what they put on rags in the movies when they're kidnapping yes
1: and they and they put it over and it'll yes um well some No, that's chloroform. Chloroform. (laughs) So cyanide, it just takes a little bit to kill you. And it's like I said, it's hard to detect. So what he would do is have this spray bottle. And there was one that they talked about in the documentary where he was walking by a man and he pretended to sneeze. And he he covered his own mouth, sprayed the guy. And within, the guy took four or five more steps and collapsed. But what happens is if they don't know they're looking for the cyanide, it looks like a heart attack. So it's immediately ruled as a natural death so then that's how they don't even know what his body count was oh my god so
0: they can't even tell no idea half
1: of these people have probably been buried because of a heart attack or an overdose or whatever thing that he definitely did and if he's just killing people because he feels like it for no other reason and he can he can walk by them on the street and watch them fall dead on the street and walk away from them because he is it's that discreet (laughs) at this point
0: yes yes, oh my god i know
1: so it's it's absolutely crazy and you got to keep in mind like he's He's doing that because he wants to, and at the same time, he's killing because the crime families are telling him to. Right. So he is just—that's all he's doing. But he's still living this great, great home life
0: with his kids, and he's taking any he children. Just to seems Disney, like a father, and, and
1: they have no idea. His yeah. poor wife has no idea he's even working. With crime families, let alone killing.
0: Coward.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's like he's he's like good for nothing, a weak man. Yeah. One of the particular crimes that they talked a lot about, he was sent to kill a man. One one of the uh, crime families told them that this was who he needed to kill. They owed him whatever, and he got there, and the man was begging and pleading, "Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Don't kill me!" So he said, "Here's the deal." I'll give you 30 minutes to pray. And if God can come down and change your circumstances, I won't kill you. So he literally sits there and lets this man beg and cry and pray for 30 minutes. And then says, God never showed up and he never changed the circumstances. And that was that. It wasn't too nice. That's one thing. I shouldn't have done that one. I shouldn't have done it that way. So he ends up just shooting the man in the head point blank and walks away from it. That's he, sad. And you have to remember, this was what he was sent to do. This should right, have been that's business. A oh my god wait he turned it into because he wanted you know what I mean he got something out of that one he got that power out of it so that one was the one that really they talked about the most and I mean he's he's six foot five and by the time he was arrested or by the time he died I'm not really sure which he weighed 300 pounds he was a massive massive man he used all forms of murder weapon and he eventually met a another hitman that was known as Mr. Softy and he was known as Mr. Softy because he drove an ice cream truck as his cover. Kuklinski earned the moniker the Iceman for freezing many victims to obfuscate their time of death. So yeah those are the kind of things I hit on but um, he learned a lot of that from other hitmen and kind of put it all together. He meets Mr. Softy and once he's introduced to these new methods of murder Kuklinski decides that he wants to take it to the next level. So that's when he gets good with cyanide. And that's the thing that Mr. Softy introduced him to. And so he decides after 25 years of working as a hitman for the mafia, he wants to start his own crime ring. He wants to be the guy in charge. He wants people working for- Kuklinski? Mm-hmm. He wants to be the big guy making all the money. Once he decides to do this, he basically gets too power hungry and starts making mistakes that eventually lead to his arrest.
0: Like what?
1: One of his biggest mistakes was because of a man named Phil Salomeni, who was just another mafia guy who was working with him and basically the closest thing that Richard Kuklinski had to a friend. So he's close with this guy. The specifics on it were kind of confusing. Mostly? Hmm. What was his name? Phil Solomony. Okay. So basically what happens is they're having a conversation about a crime they're planning to commit and it was recorded and so they now had audio of Kuklinski's conspiracy to kill. So then they put like undercover investigators that work with crime families and start to get get into them and then they earn trust and things like that kuklinski runs into a couple of them and starts having conversations about killing people and stuff like that so finally they have enough evidence to arrest um in 1986, Richard was arrested while on his way to breakfast with Barbara, his wife. So they immediately start arresting him, and Barbara is so confused. At this point, they're, he and Barbara are headed to breakfast and just doing completely normal family things that you would mm-hmm. expect them to do when the cops pull them over to arrest him.
0: Like, they're driving and the
1: cops... It sounds like they were, like, headed into their car in the driveway or, like, right out of the house. The cops have been waiting on them. Pull them over. And Barbara is confused, and she's, like, what is going on like why is this happening and one of the cops just basically turned to her and said he's a murderer and she is just (laughs) confused like she knows nothing of any of this the next day they charged him with five murders that they had enough evidence to build a case on um in 1988 he was found guilty of four of them and then charged with two more so so the first two were together he was charged with them the next two he just pled guilty to he's like oh they got me so he just pled guilty to them so he is like racked up just life sentence after life sentence he's going to die in prison and at
0: this point it doesn't even matter just keep
1: admitting to all of them exactly and so yes and that's what he does so he loves the attention all of a sudden and so he's doing prison interviews and he's oh I killed 300 people he really enjoyed being in the public eye so he ended up becoming the subject of multiple documentaries and books about his life basically loves all this attention and claims that he killed all of Jimmy Hoffa in particular Uh Um, but all of these other people, and he claims he was paid $40,000 for the job. He expressed no remorse for any of his crimes and only said he was sorry for hurting his family. And at one point, someone in a prison interview asked him something about being an assassin and, you know, do you, do you consider yourself an assassin or sure. whatever? He said, assassin, it sounds so exotic. I was just a murderer so he has no remorse and he's fine with the title in 2005 after he spent 25 years in prison he was diagnosed with incurable blood vessel inflammation and he was eventually transferred to a hospital because he was so sick and Barbara got to go see him one last time Mm. which in the documentary Barbara was like if I could have killed him myself I would have I hated him so much for what he put me through for the fact that I was married to him for so long didn't know what was going on basically Barbara goes to see him one last time in the hospital and he's very very sick it's clear he's going to die in the foreseeable future yeah. and he says to barbara if i flatline i want them to resuscitate me and on her way out the door she signs a do not resuscitate <sighs> form for him and a week before he died, the hospital calls her and says, have you changed your mind? And she says, absolutely not. And so on March 5th, 2006, Richard Kuklinski died in the hospital. Like he flatlined. Yep. And they did not resuscitate him because his wife had signed the papers. Oh, so, man. And that made me kind of happy. Like, she yeah. got her. She's like, huh. Okay. It, exactly. After a man that put her through so much and right. beat her and just treated her so horribly. And she was in the dark about all of it. And spent her life with him she ended up getting to have a little bit of a laugh at the end which made me happy Wait. <laughs> good for her yeah yeah i would have i want them to resuscitate me i'm like getting up <laughs> nope she basically was like okay and then signed the papers as she was walking out the door yeah. so yeah that's the story of richard kuklinski and the details on him and on his crimes are kind of hard to find like Ye- most serial killers yeah. should be like victim one victim two but he's flexing so hard about who he killed that they <laughs> yeah. don't know and yeah. and so many of them you can't prove so it's a lot about his methods sure. more than you know the people for and because so many of the people were monsters that were you know living kind of low profile law. Yeah, so exactly. it's, it's hard so are there any specific questions that you have or anything I you want to like, comment so on I have so many guys. okay go ahead
0: what is I don't understand the mafia
1: yeah so they're I didn't do too much research into the mafia because that isn't like what makes him the serial killer. Yeah, um, I just don't. But I mean, you just have to consider it as this is forty years ago at this point, fifty years ago in New York City. There are lots of major families that have lots and lots of money, and they're just doing very shady things behind the scenes. So
0: that's the mafia. They're just three families that are doing. Shady no, things? so it's it's just a bunch of families.
1: It's a bunch of gangs. It's a bunch of things like that, and they're just they they organize crime. So there will be like heads of the. Fam- family that send hitmen out for them. Send they send guys out to do their dirty work and they bring back money. Um
0: why are they always Italian? I don't know
1: that. <laughs> so there's five big ones.
0: Families?
1: Yes. Um but but not everyone in these things are like the fam- like Richard Kuklinski. He wasn't a Gambino. He wasn't right. Part of their he was fr- someone they hired. He, yeah. He did he, the dirty work. But he was part of the family when you think of organized crime family, he was part of what made them what they were. So you have to consider their assassins and their just sketchy people that they hired and stuff like that to do it. And also they didn't want to get caught ever, the big guys especially. So they had massive amounts of people that worked for them because those people were the ones that would get caught. They were never going to put themselves out on the line. They'd hire three guys to go do something and a lot of times the little guys that were doing the dirty work would never meet the head guy, but they knew they'd kill him if yeah. they didn't do what they were told. So I mean again, that like the the organized crime part isn't what made him a serial killer, but he took some of those opportunities to work as a hitman and used them also for his pleasure yeah. and then used them to get good at his personal killing. Which is what he enjoyed significantly. Yeah.
0: That's just kind of crazy to me, the whole thing. That's that's some wild stuff, I tell you yeah. what.
1: And like I said, even the investigators on the case were like, I have no doubt in my mind, he killed hundreds of people. We have seen that that's the kind of guy he is.
0: Mm-hmm. So It's a
1: lot to take, like,
0: to... Yeah, there is so much to take in. Is there... A, I remember you... Yeah, so you mentioned... What was his name? Um, no, uh, I was. Solomony. Yeah, Solomony. Yeah. Did he record? He was the one who recorded? Um, I think that he was initially. That's
1: a snake move, I tell you. So the thing with this guy that was hard to collect information. Solomon? just richard kuklinski in general articles said lots of different things the documentary that i watched would say something different from two or three different articles that Mm -hmm. i read and the articles wouldn't match up so i kind of took the pieces of information that everything said together like if if across the board everyone said he really liked cyanide so that was something that i was like okay this right. is true so there's a lot of holes in the story but it's because there's five different articles that say oh he was the youngest child oh he had other siblings that one thing that i read said that barbara was the one married with two kids and turns out it was him so
0: it's just oh, right with linda yeah so
1: so they never mentioned linda and they made it sound like they were barbara's kids like there's just a lot of sure mismatch information on him so there are a lot of holes in the story and i think that's part of what leaves out those details Mm -hmm. that might explain a little bit further but because of how different some of them were it wasn't like oh well i i think it's this or this seems realistic it just is different versions of the story
0: well that's kind of like greek mythology. yeah exactly (laughs) and
1: it's it's what you were talking about with your story yeah how Um, it's just
0: like a hundred different versions, and they're all kind of the same thing, but then there are some little minuscule parts that mm-hmm. are different in different versions. Except mine is not about a real life serial killer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in that situation, it's easier to be like, So here's the
1: two things, yeah. <laughs> but there's like probably, yeah, there's probably someone out there that can find all this information and knows all about it, and that's fine start your own podcast yes yeah <laughs> but the, from what like the documentary like i said which i do want to say most of the information that i have came from an uh hbo documentary that you know i found on like youtube or something yeah um and then biography.com and all that's interesting.com both had profiles on him so i just kind of went through their profiles they
0: matched up for the most part they didn't always <laughs> so so yeah i don't know i think that If I were a serial killer Mm -hmm. and I got busted Mm -hmm. and I had like five life sentences Mm -hmm. racked up already, I would probably be claiming other ones and try to make myself look cooler also.
1: What do you have to lose at that point? Yeah. But you can gain fame from it. Yeah. And at some point, which I don't, I don't know exactly when it happened, but there was a point in time where you couldn't make money off of crimes that you committed. What? So, so you could like write a book that like, you could kill a man and go to prison oh. for it and then write a book and then publish the book and then, and make, then all make all the money, money off it. Okay, that's so, like, what you meant. also at this time, I don't think those laws were fully in place. So when he's like big talk and he's, they have oh, to write books him. about me and stuff like that, his goal could have just been to make more money. What's he going to do with the money? Well, so the thing that he said was his only, you know, the only remorse I have was for hurting Barbara and the kids and stuff like I don't necessarily believe that, but at the same Hold time... Hold a knife to her back. Right. But at the same time, who's he got to lie to about that? Like, he, yeah. he made clear he didn't have any remorse for the people he killed. He could have also just very easily been like, and I hate my wife. But... Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. So, maybe it was a thing that... Well, he was a family man, as you said. Right. So, it makes sense that, I don't know, even if that wasn't true, that he maybe he did care about his kids. It's the epitome of, like, a double life. Yeah. He is just
1: living the most severe the
0: best of both worlds exactly <laughs> exactly so my hitman mm-hmm. is the greek hitman cupid good in the last episode i covered the theogony and the beginning when gaia became present along with like tartarus and eros was one of them yes some tellings of the origin of cupid some people say that that eros was cupid uh-huh other depictions say that cupid is the son of aphrodite and aries mm-hmm. like what do you think of what do you
1: think of cupid like the most stereotypical valentine's day <laughs> little baby in a diaper with some curly heart arrows vis- that, like are like glittery and then like you get shot and
0: you're like oh Oh uh, yeah. yeah sometimes people were just born fully grown I've already been thinking <laughs> yeah. about that in preparing for this I was like cool I'm gonna find some stories on Cupid he's always used as just something to push the plot forward mm-hmm. and then came Cupid and then this happened right there aren't really many stories of him as the main character there is one and mm-hmm. that's what most people know and it's Cupid and Psyche the way the story goes there's mm-hmm. a certain king and he has three daughters okay to quote the story, yes, the charms of the two elder were more than common, but the beauty of the youngest was so wonderful that the poverty of language is unable to express its due praise. This girl was beautiful. Right, People were coming from other countries because they had heard of this girl just being pretty. She's walking down the street. People are throwing flowers at her. Wow. Okay. Her
1: sisters must have hated her.
0: Okay. <laughs> I I mean, yeah. They're still pretty. It's just She's like dummy pretty. Aphrodite over here, the goddess of love, she is supposed to be the prettiest woman. All of her temples are deserted. Over some stupid mortal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be mad too. Like, Aphrodite wants revenge. Mm-hmm. She tells Cupid, Go make her fall in love with some mean, evil, hideous creature that is spiteful. And Cupid's like, "Mm, whatever. Okay. Okay. Yes. And as he does this, Cupid's invisible. He's looking at her psyches asleep and her eyes shoot open. Cupid gets so freaking startled himself because there's this pretty woman looking at him he scratches himself with his arrow. No. Wait. Yeah. So he scratches himself with his arrow and he's like, the only thing on his mind is I have to fix this. Oh my so God. So he pours sweet waters all over her trying to like make up for his mistakes and he gets out of there. He's like, I have to dip. Right all of the gods and goddesses have kind of turned their back away from her. Mm -hmm. She's getting more attention than the gods. Right. So the way that the story says it is, Psyche, henceforth frowned upon by Venus, derived no benefit from all of her charms. True, all eyes were casted upon her. Every mouth spoke her praises, but neither king, royal youth, nor plebeian presented himself to demand her in marriage. Her two elder sisters of moderate charms had now long been married to two royal princes, But Psyche, in her lonely apartment, deplored her solitude, sick of that beauty which, while it procured abundance of flattery, had failed to awaken love. That's so sad. It's sad. So I guess the way that
1: I kind of thought of, you know, Cupid shooting the arrow or whatever was the person that it hits is the only person that like affects everyone could love her, but she couldn't love back.
0: Cupid has two separate arrows. Okay. And this comes into play in the story of Apollo and Daphne. Mm-hmm. Cupid, Cupid's always, I say hitman because Aphrodite tells Cupid to go shoot someone and then he'll do it. Right. Usually Cupid's not shooting anyone because he, he feels like to. it. Except for a time that Apollo, who is just a jerk, Apollo had like just won some battle and he goes over and sees Cupid minding his own business. He's sitting on a fountain, playing with his arrows and Apollo tells him he has no business doing that he's like I should be holding the air I'm good at this and you need to go play with blocks or something and Cupid gets pissed off and says "Hmm. oh yeah well watch this and he strikes Apollo to fall in love with some beautiful woman Uh uh-huh and Cupid has other arrows that repel he shot the girl that Apollo had fallen in love with, so she hated him. <laughs> so in the same way, like, she could never love anyone.
1: So it, being that it just repels, it's not mm-hmm. so much of, like, you as an individual can't love anyone else. It's, like, both ways and just repels any sort of love for that person.
0: I think it's more sad, though, that Psyche wanted to love. Yeah. She wanted that, and people thought she was pretty, but they never pursued her right she got sick of it Mm -hmm. um was very confused her sisters had been married her parents were confused Mm -hmm. they're like why what's wrong with you right so they go to the oracle of Apollo Mm -hmm. and the oracle that is received is that the virgin is destined for the bride of no mortal lover her future husband awaits her at the top of the mountain he is a monster whom neither gods nor men can resist They were thinking, all right, she is screwed. So they didn't really know what to do. Psyche tells them, leave me at the top of a mountain. Just leave me there for my husband. And all right, all right, let's go take her there. So they do. They just leave her stranded at the top of this mountain. And then Zephyr, Mm -hmm. the West Wind, comes, picks her up, takes her to this field in front of a mansion. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. She looks around and she's like, this is legit and she goes inside and it's beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. where bella's inside of this huge castle and she hears these voices calling out to her and she can't see anyone Mm -hmm. hey we are your servants anything you want we will give to you all right cool and then her husband comes and he is just a dark shroud Mm -hmm. like invisible lights are off she can't see him Uh and that's what their whole marriage is is it's this man she can't see him she wants to see him but he refuses it's not just darkness he's like refusing it he even says have you any doubt of my love have you any wish ungratified if you saw me perhaps you would fear me perhaps adore me but all I ask of you is to love me I would rather you love me as an equal than adore me as a god he loved her and she loved him and they were good even though she never really saw him it was still okay right and then she started feeling like she was living in a prison she started feeling like she couldn't go home right so she begs her husband let me bring them up here and he says okay basically just don't listen to what your sisters have to say if they say anything negative all right cool So her sisters come. Mm -hmm. They see the place. It is nice. They are happy for her. They ask where her husband is. He's off hunting, and he's tall and sexy, and he has a big old rugged beard. Right. They're like, oh, sounds wonderful. They leave. (laughs) They're happy for her. She's happy because Mm -hmm. she saw her sisters. And the monster, Uh (laughs) the dark-shadowed man, comes back. How, so how'd it go? Oh, it went really nice. Actually, I want to have them back up here for tea again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By now, Psyche has become pregnant. Okay. So Psyche is pregnant now. She's so excited. She wants her sisters yeah. to come again. Right. And he says, okay, just to be careful. If anything happens, I'll just tell you right now. You listen to me. We live happily ever after. Your son or child, daughter, whatever, they'll basically become a god. Otherwise... I don't know what will happen. So she says, cool. like Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. <bet." laughs> Sisters come back up. He's like, be careful. Right. I keep telling you, just be careful. I don't know. You grow up and your sister is way prettier than both of you. And now you have visited her house and she's living with some dude. You, you're married to a prince, but your sister is looking like she's married to a god right
1: she's still better off
0: yeah yeah and they come back they're like all right well where's your husband let's see him bring him out here mm-hmm. and she says he's not here he's like shorter and he- right they're like, all right we're busting you right here you haven't seen your husband have you uh-huh and she says mind your own freaking business But these are her sisters, and they tell her, you remember the oracle, they said he was a monster. Right. He's a monster. Don't trust him. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill your child. So what you have to do is late at night, keep a knife with you, keep a lantern, walk up to him, kill him in his sleep. Oh, my God. Take all the gold. You'll be good. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. No way. No way. No way. But they leave. All right, I'm going to do that.
1: Um, he told you not to. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
0: literally, don't listen to your sisters. And she's like, all right. Oh, wait, Um. they make a good point. Yeah. She she changed her entire mind. So it's late at night. She has the knife hidden under her pillow. Mm -hmm. She grabs a lamp. She's like, all right, maybe he is a monster. Even though they've been sleeping side by side, they've been in love. Right. A good life. A good life. Even though she hasn't seen him, She has a lantern and she walks over and now she's actually, like, seeing what's up. She leans over. The lamp is kind of over him. And he has the wings. Oh, my and God. And she's realizing, I am married to Cupid. And she, like, drags the lantern around and she sees the bow and the arrows. And oh, my God. She's seeing all of this and she's like, oh, my God. And she takes a closer look because now she's seeing her husband who right. she's been in love with. Right. And she's realizing oh wait a minute oh my god yeah (laughs) as she's leaning over some of the oil spills out of the lamp and it goes on his shoulder and it burns him he immediately wakes up sees what's happening she's got a freaking knife in her hand oh my god so he says oh foolish psyche is it thus you repay my love after having disobeyed my mother's commands and made you my wife will you think of me a monster and cut off my head but go, return to your sisters whose advice you think preferable to mine. I inflict no other punishment on you than to leave you forever. Love cannot dwell with suspicion.
1: Wait, that's so does he just he, like
0: send her out, send her on he, her way? No, he gets up and he leaves. Oh my god. Also, it doesn't help that she just realized she was married to Cupid and it got even better for yeah. like five <laughs> yeah but also as he said before like i'd rather you love me as an equal than adore me as a god yes that's kind of telling you psyche right so he leaves her and the place kind of just turns into a barren mountain at this mm-hmm. point like she has lost everything right. because she didn't listen she's crying doesn't know what to do meanwhile her two sisters are over here with her husband's and one of them goes up to the mountain says hey cloud hey zephyr come take me to my man maybe cupid will want me cloud says okay picks her up takes her over to some valley and drops her right in it sister one is dead oh my god sister two says the same thing i have made my sister leave her husband so i'm gonna go take him that's what their whole thing was they were like we made her leave her husband so that maybe he'll choose one of us oh my god that was their whole mindset right yeah they say for now um so every she- oh sorry Go ahead. no what, what was that? so
1: everybody but her essentially knew how well she had it
0: yeah they knew but at the same time you have your sisters who you haven't seen them forever telling you this is a bad idea Sankey. right you've got to get out of here He's going to eat you. He's going to kill you and your baby. You've got to get out of here. So they try to snatch her mans. Mm -hmm. They end up falling to their death. And that's how it's always ended for everyone. A lot of people don't know that it goes further than that. Uh Well, I didn't know that. At least I thought that it ended there. Yeah. There's a whole other part of the story where Psyche ends up going to Ceres and Ceres tells her, go take it up with Aphrodite. She's like, please help me get my husband back. Please, I, please help me. Aphrodite doesn't want to help her.
1: Right. At all. (laughs) For obvious reasons. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But they come to an agreement. All right, do these tasks for me and you can have your man back. First one is she takes her to Aphrodite's temple and there are all of these grains and all right, separate everything by the end of the day and you can have him back. So she sits there and she's like, no, I'm not going to get my husband. But does it anyways? Does it? Yeah. No. (laughs) But Cupid is watching her. All right, whatever. Has all of these ants come and help her and the ants come separate everything. Aphrodite comes back, gets pissed off. This obviously isn't your work. Right. So she gives her another task. So through a series of trials. Mm -hmm. The last one being the hardest. There's someone in the underworld that is super pretty. Mm -hmm. And Aphrodite wants to get some of her beauty in a box. And sends Psyche down to do it. Mm -hmm. Psyche manages to do it. But you know don't look in the box. It's like Pandora's box. Don't look inside of it. So Psyche goes. Gets the box. She's about to go see Cupid again. She's like all right, well actually maybe i want to like make myself a little bit pretty yeah, i want to ex- <laughs> yeah so she takes a peek inside of the box of course there's some sleeping thing in there that comes right out and makes her pass out she's a uh-huh. like, forever a coma cupid is completely healed he wants to see his wife again he yeah. sees her asleep on the road leads to zeus he's like please i love her i want to be with her forever mm-hmm. psyche is freaking granted immortality
1: oh my god yeah
0: so psyche is granted immortality and she has her child named what's the word Hidone he done Voluptus he done english for pleasure Okay.
1: So basically though, like the misconception is that it has the sad ending and then there's another version that Mm -hmm. has a very sweet ending. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've been thinking about this since like the beginning. Mm -hmm. Aphrodite, just the, the idea of Aphrodite was upset that no one was worshiping her anymore. Mm -hmm. So to fix that, she decides to have Cupid hurt the person that's being worshipped instead of all of the people that had like turned their backs on the gods, she blamed the girl. Yeah, I don't know, and I, I get why, and I get that it's very
0: wrong, but
1: at the same time, yeah, it just like from the beginning kind of stuck out as like the, she's not the one that turned her back on that, right. she's not the one that did it. But I guess that's what you gotta do.
0: The Greek gods are not very godly, right? They are
1: not just, the gods are the embodiment of why you shouldn't do things yeah. and they're they created moral rules
0: not even a thing of don't do this or right not this like a happen. um what are those things called like the fables of the slow and steady when yes the the,
1: yeah i i know that they're not completely like that but also as a as a culture if this is what you're like Like, you're learning from those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is why you don't do whatever. This is why
0: you don't be pretty or else Aphrodite will want you to fall in love with someone who's evil. (laughs) It was a source of entertainment, Mm -hmm. keeping up with the Olympians.
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. So how do you want to lead out of it?
0: All right. So there you have it. That was our take on Hitman. We really thought about doing this based on all the suggestions we were getting, hearing what people wanted to hear, and if you have any other suggestions, let us know because I'm sure we would be happy to talk about it. Yeah, and just to go ahead and give us that feedback
1: or just keep up with updates that we're giving and stuff like that, you can always follow us on Twitter, and our Twitter account is at stickstories, that is at S-T-Y-X-S-T-O-R-I-E-S on Twitter, Woohoo! Yeah, and we're on Spotify now, which is very exciting. Heck yeah. We're waiting on approval from Apple Podcasts, but that should be coming pretty soon, and we'll definitely let you guys know when we get that approval. So thank you guys so much for listening. All right, well, let's end it here.
0: What was our... I say too? Yeah, we have to both say it. Oh, like together, or like... No, we'll just, oh. we just both say it. All right, so we're gonna end it here. Later gamers. Later gamers. <laughs>